Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio. One of the president's ride-or-die defenders is legal advisor Jenna Ellis. It's such a political prosecution and a political persecution. Quote. This to me is a clear violation of the Fourth Amendment. It's revisionist originalism. Tolerance just isn't a two-way street with the Democrats. And I think that tells you all we need to know. Newsmax contributor and former legal counsel to President Trump. Jenna Ellis. Well, good morning. Good morning. And the breaking news this morning is that two former FBI agents will detail today how the Bureau has become overly political before the new weaponization subcommittee that is spearheaded by House Republicans. Of course, our good friend Jim Jordan is chairing that committee. And uh, this is according to a copy of testimony obtained late last night exclusively by the Washington Examiner. So uh, the ex-agents, Thomas Baker and Nicole Parker are set to sharply criticize what they view as the FBI's transformation into a partisan agency they say has targeted the public and their constitutional rights, a testimony shows, according to the Washington Examiner. So you can read that full report at the Washington Examiner. But this should come as no surprise to any of us who have been following uh, over the last what has it been now? Seven plus years that uh, the FBI with the crossfire hurricane, with, uh, you know, all, everything going into Mar-a-Lago and raiding with uh, uh, going into um, intimidate parents who just want to speak at uh, their children's school board hearings, like Congressman Jordan was talking about on this program just a couple of days ago. Uh, but my good friend, Greg Kelly, who, of course, is a host at Newsmax, uh, one of the best shows, in my humble opinion, on Newsmax, Greg Kelly reports. You can catch him at 10 p.m. every night. He had a tweet this morning that says, uh, FBI, forever blowing it. I think that's that's very apt. And he joins me this morning. So good morning, Greg. Uh, thank you so much, Jenna. You know, it's a little bit, uh, you know, look, we all grew up, we were supposed to revere the FBI, and, and a lot of us did. But uh, we can't deny that uh, they have become fundamentally corrupt. It's uh, it's heartbreaking, but it's undeniable. It, it really is, Greg. And, and what's so, what is so heartbreaking about it is that the entire scope of law enforcement really should be all about genuine and objective justice, which means equal protection for all, liberty is blind, you know, all of these axioms that we could quote ad nauseum, but really the the bottom line and the point is that the justice system is supposed to be fundamentally fair and not just simply target political outcomes. But that's what we've seen over uh, the last several years and what has become, I think, an increasing problem uh, within law enforcement and the justice system that uh, they really are just becoming uh, partisan hacks. And that's not just a problem that we can look at and comment on. That then becomes a problem um, for us when you're someone like um, Mark Hoke out of uh, Pennsylvania, when he's unfairly targeted by the DOJ um, simply for being a pro-life father, when you are uh, parents of children that you want to go and speak in front of um, the, the system's education board and you get a knock on your door from the FBI. So um, so Joe Biden said this now, and I want you to react to, to this clip um, as well, Greg Kelly, from Joe Biden, who I, I think instead of addressing this at the State of the Union, 
fairly and talking about the justice system. He's trying on purpose to divide and kind of foment this anti uh, police, anti law enforcement rhetoric that you talk about in your brand new book, Justice for All. Uh, but this is what Joe Biden said at the State of the Union on Tuesday night. This is cut five. There's no word to describe the heartache or grief of losing a child. But imagine, imagine if you lost that child at the hands of the law. Imagine having to worry whether your son or daughter came home from walking down the street, playing in the park, or just driving a car. Most of us in here have never had to have the talk, the talk that brown and black parents have had to have with their children. So, Greg Kelly, your reaction to this? Well, it is a uh, very cynical tactic. Look, uh, one of the points to make in the book is that um, Americans, uh, too many Americans who believe in the Constitution, who believe America is fundamentally a good place, uh, we may have problems, but we're not the problem. We are intimidated when it comes to matters of race. You can actually feel the tension, I believe, in that room. There's a slight shift. Uh Oh, he's talking about, you know, he's talking about race again, and he's saying black and brown people. This makes a lot of people uncomfortable, Uh, no matter what color you are. They just don't like talking about race. And when we give up uh, talking about that, when we see the argument, when we remain quiet, we allow the left to determine the parameters of the conversation uh, because they're they're eager to talk about it because they use it to uh, to divide, as you mentioned. And you know that that whole thing about the talk. Number one, I, I, I happen to be the um, I happen to be the son of a police officer. I grew up; he was a cop, and uh, I, I, I was not encouraged to do whatever I wanted to do when I got pulled over by the cops. Anybody who gets pulled over by the cops is is nervous and doesn't want any more trouble. And, and wants things to go smoothly. However, lately we see, I, I don't think anybody's having to talk with anybody because we've encouraged um, everyone to kind of defy the cops. We've uh, delegitimized them. We've reduced their authority. And uh, we've made their jobs so much more dangerous. And it already was a very dangerous and tough job. So this talk about the talk is, uh, is phony. Just just look at all the viral videos of people getting out and, 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 and mouthing off to cops. It's it's a thing now. And it, it really it's always been around, but it really started just three summers ago, two summers ago. Yeah. And you mentioned this, Greg Kelly, in your book. And um, of course, I'm talking to my to my good friend who's the host of uh, a Newsmax show at 10 p.m., also a uh, WABC radio host. So he does it all. And uh, Greg, you've written a brand new book called Justice for All. And you know this delivers a, a great warning about what happens when law enforcement are defunded and derided. Um, so how do we have this conversation that both respects law enforcement and isn't looking like the extreme left, but also recognizes when top law enforcement officials like the FBI are going well outside the bounds of their lane. And we don't have respect for that. And I think that there is a a way that we can approach both sides of that coin appropriately and understanding what the justice system should be. Sure. Well, look, the subtitle of my book, uh, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement, and uh, I, I chronicle that. But you're right. Uh, this is a book that's supportive of law enforcement, but I, I go out of my way to make the point that law enforcement, they work for us. We don't work for them. Uh, we respect them. We revere them. 
Uh, we recognize they have a tough job to do, but at the end of the day, they work for us. And I, I point out a few examples where um, members of the law enforcement community seem to have forgotten that, the January 6th cops. Uh, you know, For them to be on Capitol Hill yelling and screaming at our democratically elected leaders, to this day, Harry Dunn, who's armed and still works on Capitol Hill, is lecturing members of Congress about what he expects from them. It's incredible on social media. This is that's a form of fascism when you have unelected armed agents of the state yelling and berating our elected leaders. And I also go uh, through the FBI's uh, troubles. I mean, the FBI is now not only are they look, they're doing personal errands for Joe Biden at a very high level. Um, I never really wanted to talk much about Ashley Biden's diary. I really think uh, the responsibility of anybody who finds a diary is just to return it and leave it at that and not read it. I, I learned that from the Brady Bunch when Davy <laughs> Jones found uh, found Marsha's diary. But Joe Biden chose to make this a federal case. And the weird dynamics of that family, you know, I would not have talked about, I would not have written about, but Joe Biden decided to dispatch the FBI into literally a lost and found case. I know about the Project Veritas angle, but uh, so my eyes are wide open. Um, we respect law enforcement. We we support them, but they also must be kept in check. Yeah, 100 percent. And uh, Greg Kelly, your new book is Justice for All. And, and I think how you describe this balance is to support the function of law enforcement, support the good men and women who all across this country are genuinely fulfilling their obligation to protect and serve. And so as a whole, we respect the office, but then we can look at various aspects and critique and criticize and say, um, you know, this needs to be better. Or in this instance, um, they are running personal errands for Joe Biden or Merrick Garland or whomever. And um, that's wrong. And we need to hold them in check as well. And I think uh, that aptly describes how we look at government as a whole, because, you know, the flip side to to that argument then of saying, okay, here are some isolated instances that we all agree are bad. Then we say, well, then the whole institution is corrupt. You know, there's there's systematic X, Y, Z, and that becomes kind of the liberal left. But the far right or, or the often, you know, the, the more um, capital L libertarians, you know, generally approach the system of government and say, government is bad. Government should be as limited as possible, and they can only arbitrate contract disputes, and they need to get out of absolutely everything. But we have to take a step back and say, well, wait a minute. Our system of government recognizes that the institution itself is designed for our good and is designed to make sure that we have our rights that are preserved and protected in the United States. And so we can approach this in a way, I think, that gives full respect to the office while still understanding that there are, are a, unfortunately, a lot of instances um, that readily uh, come to our attention of where individual offices, individual officers can cross the line. And and it's no different, though, than how I want the government to view me as a citizen. I want to be presumptively innocent of everything. I don't want somebody else in an isolated incident for then law enforcement to treat me differently, like what they're trying to do with red flag laws, to say, well, just because, you know, there's one big media incident 
um, or a few of how people have abused their right to keep and bear arms. Now that suddenly means we're all presumptively guilty. Well, look, you know, I find myself actually <laughs> moving over to the libertarian uh, uh, column somewhat, somewhat. I, I, I never thought I would have said that two years ago, but what I have seen from uh, the state and what I know is in the Constitution and what's not in the Constitution and the insane growth of the government, uh, I'm, I'm really worried. And there was, there was a moment, and I, I document it, and I, I, I talk about it in the book, that was kind of pivotal for me when we saw uh, Donald Trump walk across from the White House to the church the day after that um, that that riot, uh, that that miser- that horrible riot that had to be cleared. A number of park police officers were seriously wounded. Nobody ever talks about them. One had to undergo brain surgery. And he gets in front of the church, and Donald Trump does something that is widely viewed as the worst thing that ever happened, and I can't understand why. He takes out a Bible, and he holds it up. He holds up a Bible in front of a church. And to me, I thought that that was, quite frankly, I, a beautiful image. <laughs> the leader of our country with a Bible. Now you could say, okay, well, wait a second. That was a little bit on the nose or whatever. But the universal uproar and with zero pushback, uh, I, I, I just I could not believe my eyes that the next day that church had a Black Lives Matter banner in front of it. That was okay, but holding up a Bible somehow was perverse. I knew this country had a very big problem, and then General Casey, I'm sorry, uh, General Milley goes on television to apologize that he was a half block away from that moment. And then he says, well, I could have been seen as being a a participant in partisan politics. And then he goes on to weigh in on every partisan issue of the day, decrying – a subconscious bias, which is something he shouldn't even be thinking about, let alone talking about. It's junk science. And I view that as the state's overreaction and misreaction to something that should have been protected and even celebrated. So I hope that makes sense because I really felt like society was just – we've seen, we've all seen some crazy stuff happen. But yeah. to me, that was, that, was my, that was my aha moment. Yeah, well, great book, Greg Kelly. I get it. It is out now. It is called Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement. Always great insights. Thanks so much for joining me, Greg Kelly. And we will be right back with more of Jenna Ellis in the morning. In churches, and a lot of churches today, the issue of identity is sort of like the big elephant in the room. It's in the news, but it's not in the church. So if it's in society, it needs to be something the churches are addressing. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality, is now available for church screenings and events. Every person in America needs to see this. And all pastors need to show this to the church, get the people informed. If the church and Jesus isn't the answer, where's the world going? We want the message of the film to touch as many hearts and lives as possible. And we'd love to join with you to bring the film to your community. So let's say you have a small group or your church, or we've even been bringing the film into some prisons. We want to partner 
partner with you. So what we'll do is we'll send you a special kit and it's completely free and it'll just have some extra resources to help you promote your event. To find out more about how to host an event, go to inhisimage.movie and click on the host an event tab. That's inhisimage.movie. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Alejandro Mayorkas, United States Secretary of Homeland Security. His department, created following the attacks of 9-11, is tasked with ensuring public safety in the United States. Job 11.18 reminds us of the safety and security provided to us by God. And you will feel secure because there is hope. You will look around and take your rest in security. Right now, with this in mind, Let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Alejandro Mayorkas as he works to keep our country safe and secure. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starn. Stand by for news and commentary next. Liberty University's K-12 Online Academy is the best of a homeschool, private school, and Bible-based education all rolled into one. With LUOA, you can take charge of your child's learning environment and create a structured yet flexible schedule that works for your family. Our qualified teachers are easily accessible for guidance and support along the way. And with new classes starting every Monday, it's never too late to make the switch to LUOA. To learn more, text LUOA to 88741. That's LUOA to 88741. Students in Howard County, Maryland, are being told to address their speciesism. Specifically, educators are concerned about youngsters who might oppress plants like daffodils and ferns. It was part of a broader lesson connected to Black Lives Matter. The students were given a worksheet that identified their privilege and oppression. Now, speciesism covers 13 types of oppression, including racism, sexism, classism, ageism, and adultism. So the question is why a public school is using Black Lives Matter propaganda in its classrooms. Teachers are supposed to be teaching, not recruiting. And why are we wasting precious time telling kids to be kind to bushes and trees? I guess owning a weed whacker triggered somebody in the school system. Who knows? But it sounds like Howard County, Maryland has a bumper crop of pansies this year. I'm Todd Starnes. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the Morning on American Family Radio. Challenges are mounting to the Department of Veteran Affairs recently enacted abortion policy intended to provide access to abortion services at VA facilities with both a lawsuit and a bill in Congress against the policy now filed, according to Military.com. So uh, both Republican members of the House and Senate introduced a resolution that would reverse this policy and, uh, of course, we will are, are always interested in talking about um, the fight for life. And so joining me now is Senator Tommy Tuberville, who is from the great state of Alabama and is helping uh, push back against the VA's illegal rules. So, uh, Senator, or is it Coach Tuberville? I, I, I mean, both are just uh, amazing titles for you. And which, which sir do you prefer? Morning, Jenna. I, I normally go by coach up here, but I've been called a lot of different things in my coaching <laughs> career, some that you wouldn't want to repeat. But uh, uh, no, coach, coach is good, and uh, thank you for having me on today. 
Thank you so much. And um, it's it's a really an honor to speak with you. And uh, and I really appreciate, and I know our listeners across uh, the country really appreciate your efforts pushing back against this illegal rule. So, of, of course, this is in uh, direct retaliation uh, for the Dobbs d- decision. And so what is Congress trying to accomplish in terms of uh, protecting uh, the VA and protecting um, the really pushing back against this rule. Well, if you just look at this, Jen, it's just another major overreach by the Biden administration, uh, and they do it in all areas, including abortion. And so, uh, just to kind of sum it up, in September, you know, the VA published a rule to allow taxpayer-funded abortions at its facilities for veterans and their dependents. So. Uh, we all know that, uh, you know, it's illegal to do that in facilities in the state. So uh, the VA has estimated that it will perform around a 1,000 abortions each year under new, uh, this new policy. Now, I'm on the Veterans Affairs Committee, so I hear all this consistently, and I, I always get to ask the uh, Secretary of the, uh, of the VA all these questions. And, I mean, it's just they continually step out there on this. So. You know, not only is this uh, illegal, but it violates the morals of millions of Americans who believe in the sanctity of life. And uh, so I don't want taxpayer money going to fund these abortions. So uh, the VA is, you know, they're focusing on all available resources and they're trying to any way they possibly can to promote this progressive agenda uh, on abortions, abortion on demand. So. We as Congress, we got that we have the authority to overrule the VA's law under the Congressional Review Act, which is why I introduced uh, this resolution of disapproval this past week. More than half of the Senate Republicans have joined me in support of this revol- uh, resolution, and we will add to that. Uh, and for the companion bill, you know, the, in the House, we have over 40 that have signed on to this. So hopefully we'll get to be able to call this resolution up uh, next month. And hopefully we can get it to pass. It only has to have a majority. And and, uh, we need to do everything we possibly can to stop this disastrous policy. And, and Coach, this this is so incredibly important, and it's great that uh, Congress can uh, can overrule this policy. And uh, this does have a viable chance uh, that Republican senators can force uh, a vote on it, even though Democrats control the chamber because it was introduced under the Congressional Review Act. So, um, so explain uh, why there is actually a, a potential that this would pass, and the resolution then. Uh, would not need to go to Joe Biden for signature. Is that correct? That's correct. All we need is a majority under the Congressional Review Act. And again, it's, uh, I think we will have enough votes to do that. The problem that you have when you're in the minority, Jenna, is, you know, who is in the majority? Uh, Chuck Schumer and his radical agenda. And uh, we're going to push every day to get this out there. But under the Congressional Review Act, he is, he is supposedly, uh, has to call it up now when that happens we'll just have to have to wait and see but uh, they uh they're very adamant that they keep anything that they do without congressional approval going as long as they possibly can and you know they're, they're even looking at an act where they they can uh, have uh, abortion on demand in the military and right now it's uh, they can only have abortion on demand or abortion uh with the uh, uh, the three limitations of, you know, incest, rape, and uh, the health of the mom. Uh, and that's been in 
in uh, a rule for a long, long time. Uh, but they're trying to make it where they can do it anywhere they want. They'll transport and pay the pay the uh, the uh, military uh, person uh, to whatever state they want to be taken to. And it also includes their dependents. And so uh, we've had a we've had this uh, ran through several organizations, and they say it will go from. We normally in the military we've had 20 uh, abortions a year uh, on the average for many many years going up to 5,000 a year. So they're looking for any way they possibly can to skirt Roe Wade and uh, and make their own rules, and uh, we're going to fight them every day. Wow. And I am talking with uh, Coach and Senator Tommy Tuberville uh, from the great state of Alabama. And, you know, the secretary has admitted um, that abortions have already been performed at um, the VA facilities. And I think for, you know, a lot of us, like when this story was brought to my attention, um, you know, it made me realize that we often as pro-life advocates focus so much on the Planned Parenthood clinics or the regular um, abortion facilities. And we don't even think about this possibility of um, of the VA being a, a place and almost a shelter for abortion and for a state-funded abortion on demand and this kind of transportation to then go into these states and, well, if Planned Parenthood shuts down, then, um, you know, there's still the VA facility. I mean, that wouldn't have been the first thing on my mind to say, oh, well, that will be the alternative that the Democrats are trying to force. And I think, Coach, that this just, uh, it, it really shows how the Democrats have such a, it's such an evil view, but it's also just such a, an illegality of how they're trying in any way to force their perspective, even though, as you've mentioned, this is clearly illegal and they just don't care. I mean, is there any kind of rationality that they've given to this other than, you know, well, we think that women should have the right to choose and and abortion's a constitutionally protected right, which the Supreme Court said it's not. But I mean, are they even giving any sort of rational conversation or argument to this? Well, that's not important to them, Jenna. Uh, They they feel like that they have a majority and they can do what the heck they want. And uh, we had, I'm on the VA committee and I asked uh, Secretary Madonna uh, before uh, Christmas uh, about this rule and asked him how many abortions you have, you, you have uh, uh, performed in the VA. Now, you got to remember this. The VA is really not equipped for this. Uh, and we really don't have the money. We're trying to we're trying to spend the money on the veterans in in ways that are legal, obviously, to take care of our veterans for for a lot of different things. And uh, we're having tremendous power problems in uh, uh, quite a few of our VAs across the country. But this just adds to the money that they'll have to spend. But again, as you said, this is it's not legal. It's something that they just said, hey, we, you know, we control the military, we control the VA, and and we're going to do what we want. But uh, we've got to fight back. We can't just say, okay, they've got the majority. We're going to allow them to do this. But as you said, it's illegal. It's immoral. Uh, you saw what just happened in Minnesota uh, where they said, hey, we're, we're going to be able to do abortions even after the baby is born. Now, these people have absolutely lost their minds. And it is yes. going to get worse before it gets better. But in the areas that we can fight, Jenna, legally, we're going to do it. And that's the reason I'm I'm putting this uh, effort forward. And they know that we're fighting back. It's like the military rule that 
we've had for years that I just talked about where they can, their dependents and, and any military person can have an abortion. Uh, they have no right to do that. You know, the, and I told Secretary Austin in a letter, I wrote him a letter for Christmas, said, if you pass this, I'm going to put a hold on every DOD nomination that you bring forth. And they're going to have a tough time getting anything through. So they haven't Good for pushed you. that yet. Yeah, uh, they haven't pushed that yet. But we feel like, uh, you know, once they get their feet on the ground here, as we're getting back into a new year, that they'll, they will do that. So it's going to be a major fight. Uh, yeah. But again, they don't care about the rule of law. Uh, they think they are the law. And uh, we've got uh, they've got another thing coming when when it comes to a lot of different things, especially when they're they're uh, taking uh, life that they shouldn't be. Absolutely. And thank you so much, Coach, for pushing back on this. And, and you very aptly described that they think they are the law. They don't care what the law is. They just want the outcome. They want to push through their own partisan policy agenda and the outcome, regardless of the constraints that our system of government puts on them. And we do need to fight back. And we do need to say, well, you know, it doesn't matter what party is in the majority. It doesn't matter who's in office. The law is still the law and hold them accountable. And um, and I don't know if you've been following the lawsuit that um, I think it was a VA employee filed also against this. Um, but do you, do you see that that lawsuit might have any uh, chance of success? And that's another method of attacking this illegal policy. You just don't know. I mean, you're going to see you're going to see everything coming at at this uh, situation that they're trying to create. It shouldn't even shouldn't be a, a no brainer. I mean, actually, you know, as, as I said earlier, you know, I've, I've told people that are drawing up these rules. I said, y'all think y'all were elected to Congress? Last I've noticed, you're bureaucrats. Uh, you weren't elected. You were appointed. You have no right to make laws or rules or change a, change a law, uh, but. Uh, Jenna, they just really don't care. They could care less. And like, you know, you can put all kind of lawsuits out there, but they've got these radical lawyers that are, that are, uh, that, that, you know, they've got un, they've got a, uh, money train that is, uh, so deep that, uh, they can pretty much do anything. And they feel like that they can put a hold on things. They can, they can, uh, uh, do anything they possibly can to overcome any fight that we put up. But, you know, when it comes to, to life, uh, I think that we're going to win this battle, and I think people are going to stand up for it sooner or later. You know, we've got to really understand what this is about. This is the morals of our country, and uh, we've got to we, we got to uphold that. You know, they uh, God is not mentioned much up here in Washington, D.C., uh, as you well know, and we need to continue to let people know that, uh, that uh, as Christians, we believe in life. Mm, it's so well said. Um, and, and Coach Tuberville, thank you so much for that stand and uh, and for bringing God back into the conversation in Washington. You are so right that, uh, you know, we don't we don't talk about this enough. And, um, you know, some some listeners may wonder why we focus a lot and have probably a um, an inordinate amount of, of segments that are dedicated to the pro-life issue and uh, the pro-life cause. And, and I think you expressed it perfectly that this is a foundational moral issue uh, for our country. And if we can't get it right on the issue of life, then everything else um, is going to fall into in into the line of evil. And, and we are not going to uphold rights 
uh, and and recognize any of, of these rights in context unless we start first with the right to life. So thank you so much, uh, Senator and Coach, for your um, for your dedication to this. Really appreciate you joining me today. Thank you. Thank you, Jenna. God bless. God bless. Thanks so much. Well, uh, you know, I, I, I do so really appreciate um, the attention that so many people um, in the Republican Party are pushing on Capitol Hill and are uh, recognizing that it's the obligation of conservatives to preserve and protect life. I mean, that that's the foundational right. If we don't have the right to life, then we can't exercise any of our other freedoms. And I was actually having a conversation yesterday um, with a friend about um, advocacy for uh, pro-life. And, you know, she was telling me that she often gets pushback from um, the leftists and even some of her friends saying, well, you know, the government shouldn't be involved in pregnancy and the government shouldn't be forcing uh, women to, you know, to continue their pregnancies. And I said, you know, the key in that sentence is continue. That is a talking point from the leftists that we need to push back on because in the context of pro-life, anyone that is contemplating an abortion, the woman is already pregnant. The government, in no instances that I'm aware of, has ever caused that pregnancy, right? This is not about the government saying that they are forcing pregnancy on women. No, this is about a woman who already from whatever the reason, and, and yes, there are, you know, some advocate for exceptions um, for race and incest. I believe that the Bible uh, says that all life is valuable. And, and even though crimes occur, that, uh, th- that then a pregnancy is a result of that. Another crime on an innocent third party is not the answer to it. But the government is not responsible for that pregnancy. What the government and when the government gets involved is when the woman is already pregnant and is contemplating yet another change and a separate choice, which is to potentially terminate that pregnancy. So we need to make sure that as Christians, as uh, as people who look at this not only from a, a moral foundation, uh, like the coach was talking about, and from a Christian foundation, but even even from a legal foundation. We have to first set up the argument correctly, and we have to make sure we're talking about this correctly so we don't get those kinds of, uh, you know, ridiculous pushbacks that aren't even true. And so my friend goes, oh yeah, you know, that, that makes so much sense. Um, but it's not the government that's responsible for the pregnancy. It's that the government is getting involved after the woman is pregnant and saying, no, you can't make an arbitrary and morally reprehensible choice to intentionally bring about the death of your child. So we need to be talking about these things responsibly. And that's why we talk about them every day here on Jenna Ellis in the morning. We'll be right back with more. This is Frank Gaffney, host of Securing America, a program dedicated to protecting the country we love against all enemies, foreign and domestic, to the glory of God and his kingdom. Each weeknight at 11 p.m. Eastern Time, we provide insights and recommendations about the most important challenges facing our nation from her most thoughtful experts and patriots. Join me to learn how you can help in Securing America right here at 11 p.m. Eastern Time. 
What would you do? On Sadie, I appreciate your thought behind the gift card, but I just can't take it. I promise not to shop at Target because they allow men in areas that need to be private and protected for women and children. I hope you'll go to afa.net slash Target and learn about it. I'm not giving them my money. Aunt Sadie didn't know about AFA's call to boycott Target, but she knows now, and so do you. Learn even more at afa.net slash Target. afa.net slash Target. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. When the Spirit of God penned those words through Apostle Peter, he meant every bit of them. Christ's following is distinct from the world. Christ's followers must look different from the world. We shouldn't be surprised then when the world does not understand us and demonizes our faith. Jesus said, the student is not above the teacher. The world hated Jesus. We mustn't be surprised when the world hates us. We are called to be peculiar. Understand it. Embrace it. Get comfortable with it. Get used to it. We are in the world, but not of the world. Stay peculiar, my friends. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. The credit card debt happened when my daughter was born. I was using one credit card account to roll over into another credit card account, and it was snowballing. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. When I first called Trinity, the representative understood the need based on the situation. There were great people to work with. From the first phone call that I made, they had me on a track to mitigate the credit card debt. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. Working with Trinity gave me the ability to save thousands of dollars. My name's Doug, and thanks to Trinity, I'm debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the Morning on American Family Radio. Well, the other thing that uh, happened this week is that our good friend Matt Walsh from the Daily Wire testified at a committee hearing yesterday in support of a bill banning child mutilation in Tennessee. And uh, you would think that this wouldn't be such a controversial subject um, when you when you really look at what this so-called gender affirming care is actually doing uh, to children and to say that somehow children, children, have the capacity to consent or that a, even that a parent could choose for their child life-altering surgery and genital mutilation under the auspices of, of gender-affirming care. I mean, th- this is so beyond morally reprehensible. But again, this is like we just talked about in the last segment. If we're going... And we understand if we're going along the lines of where the Democrats want to take America and we are of the opinion in American society uh, largely that it's totally fine to kill children at uh, any stage of gestation and including 
even potentially a few minutes or days or weeks after birth, then are we really surprised that the next step is to treat children as a commodity? But that's what our society is doing, is commoditizing children. And so when the LGBT agenda needs to have more uh, customers for not only their agenda, but uh, big pharma Uh, in terms of their customer base for all of this gender-affirming care, um, as they call it, of course it's not, um, it's, it's child abuse, then this becomes the next step. And they don't see it as morally reprehensible because, uh, well, you know, this, this is what's best for the kid when that's just their talking point, when really it's just what is in their best interest for their own morally reprehensible objectives. And so Tennessee, um, which, which I think is a really fascinating state politically um, to look at where, you know, the Democrats are versus the Republicans um, and even the Republican Party there. Um, of course, my good friend Robbie Starbuck, who ran in Tennessee District 5 and how the Republican Party treated him there, saying you're not a real Republican. You haven't been registered with us long enough to run um, and excluded him on that basis. Um, I, I mean, it's just it's just fascinating to me to see kind of this um the complexity that is the state of Tennessee and and looking you know at large when when you kind of zone in on a couple of different states um, it, it's always fascinating to see the state and local level and for Tennessee to have this committee hearing that was uh, regarding banning child mutilation uh, to hear what the Democrats were actually suggesting I I, I just commend Matt Walsh so highly. Because his responses did not get all trapped up in, um, well, I'm an expert because of this, or, you know, let me answer this question, you know, very seriously, Senator, who is uh, in support of gender mutilation on children. I mean, he just took this in his classic fashion, if you know Matt Walsh from The Daily Wire, of just responding completely directly uh, when these senators were asking him these ridiculous questions. So um, so this first clip, this is this is cut three. Uh, this is a an exchange between Matt Walsh and Tennessee um, House uh, Representative John Ray Clemens on the mutilation of children. Just listen to this exchange. Can you give us a summary of your educational background or your health care education experience? Mr. Walsh, you're recognized. My experience in health care? Your educational background. I'm just curious. You've testified as to a lot of your own research. I'm curious for what purpose you do that and what background you have to qualify you to speak to that. Well, my background that qualifies me to speak to this is that I'm a human being with a brain and common sense and I have a soul. And so, therefore, I think it's a really bad idea to chemically castrate children. That is my experience. Um, also, I, I did, now it's true, I didn't, I didn't go to college, but I did go to school long enough to learn how to read so I can read the data for myself, and that's exactly what I've done. Uh, Representative Clements, you're And for what purpose do you um, conduct your research and use this brain of yours? Mr. Walsh, you're recognized. I use it for the purpose of trying to protect children from being castrated and mutilated. That's one of the things I try to do. You don't use it to, thank you, Mr. Chairman. You don't use it to get clicks on your publication? Well, are you using it right now to try to get clicks with this interaction? I I, I really like the idea of getting, uh, of of drawing attention to the fact that this is happening to children. I know you seem to find it very amusing. I don't. (laughs) 
I have a brain. I mean, that was the perfect, most brilliant response uh, was just, I have a brain and I can think and I know that we should not be um, chemically castrating children. I mean, this is what our founders would have called a self-evident truth. Now, this is where the Democrats are requiring this level of so-called expert or so-called expertise. And we saw this in uh, the aftermath of the so-called COVID pandemic, where we have to trust the science. We have to trust only what the experts say. And that it, that becomes really dangerous when we're talking about something that is so self-evident, and yet the Democrats would say, well, you're not qualified to speak on that subject. You are just a parent. You are uh, just someone without a college degree. You are just a human being with a brain that can look and observe the empirical world around us and know from a moral and physical and reality standpoint that, yes, it's wrong to chemically castrate children. We shouldn't need to have a doctorate or a medical degree or a research in anthropology or, you know, all of this alphabet soup after our names to be able to comment on this. And, and this goes back in, in history um, and in American history and politics a while because, you know, remember for a long time, the Democrats have suggested that if you don't have experience in a certain subject, then you're not qualified and you're not competent. Like what Press Secretary, uh, former Press Secretary Jen Psaki uh, said to Peter Ducey, um, who of course is a male reporter, uh, in the context of talking about the potential Dobbs opinion and uh, the topic of abortion. Well, you know, you're a man, you don't have experience. You know, so basically no uterus, no opinion. Right. And, and so it is a flawed argument to suggest that just because each of us individually may not have a shared experience in a certain subject matter or have enough academia behind us, that we can't just comment on, some, on moral atrocities and moral subjects. But this is the way that they're trying to excise the biblical opinion, because academia is controlled largely by the left. Um, we're, we're taking back some of that ground and um, props to, to my friend Ron DeSantis, uh, Governor DeSantis out of Florida, for, um, for appointing conservatives to the board of a state institution in Florida. And, and the left went ballistic because they said, uh, you know, well, oh no, you're appointing conservatives to the board. I mean, at what point are they entitled to have state-funded institutions be woke? And to have Democrats on the board. But they think that, right? So they think that they're entitled to control academia, that they're entitled to control the argument and the conversation, because if the so-called experts are the only ones that can opine in the context of a legislative hearing in the state of Tennessee, and that House representative can tell Matt Walsh, you're not qualified enough to sit here and oppose gender... uh, and genital castration and mutilation on children, then they win the argument without actually having to defend their position. So this is where the left is trying on purpose to hold up the myth of expertise. Now, of course, we would also recognize that there are experts in subject matters and people who do know by virtue of research and study 
or um, or competence more on a subject, and we can listen to them. I mean, this is why um, largely we we have historically advocated for pastors having seminary degrees so that they have been educated in the Bible and in theology and in major doctrines. Now that though a seminary degree is not a requirement in the Bible for a pastor. And, you know, the Calvary Chapel movement, which um, my parents, being from the state of of California originally, uh, were part of that whole movement. And and Chuck Smith and, um, you know, Greg Laurie and and some of these other really great, um, you know, Calvary Chapel pastors who, um, you know, who I, I love listening to and have learned so much from, that movement largely pushed back against the idea that we don't have to have these designated licensed experts of pastors. And anyone can correctly point out the truth of the word of God. And they're right. Um, But where we get kind of off, I think, is suggesting that just because um, anyone goes through a uh, an academic path, whether it's a seminary degree or it's law school, you know, I, I have an academic degree. I have the JD, you know, the ESQ, all of that uh, after my name. And so that just means that I'm studied in the law. I have a Juris Doctor degree. But interestingly, that does not uh, allow me by virtue on its own of practicing law. I, I need a license. And this is where we can get into a whole other conversation about the administrative state. Um, but but a jur, Juris Doctor degree just means that I have studied the law. A lot of our founders, um, Benjamin Franklin is a great example of someone who was very well versed and had studied the law, just never practiced as a lawyer, um, but was well versed in this. And that that doesn't have to be, and being well versed does not have to be in the four walls of an academic institution for someone to be well versed. And if you're not well versed, like, you know, that's the, the flip side of this, where some of these uh, pastors then think, well, I don't need to study at all because I love Jesus and, you know, I just have so much passion for God. And so I can get up and, you know, just prepare somebody else's canned speech and I can still, you know, use great rhetorical skills um, and, and lead a mega church. Well, no, that's um, that would not be proficient, in my opinion, in terms of the pastor I would want to sit under. I want to sit under someone who has studied. But the studying does not have to be at an academic institution. It does not have to be where the Democrat woke leftists say, we have now conferred on you recognition that you are now an expert because you have been so indoctrinated into our view of how we control things. Right. So that's what Matt Walsh is pushing back against. And I think beyond just the the hilariousness of this exchange, the broader point that I wanted to, to bring to our conversation this morning is that we need to be well versed, but we do not need to allow the left to tell us that we have to be well versed in their from their institutions and indoctrinated by them in order to confer a label of so-called experts so that we will spout whatever their party line position is. So Matt Walsh saying, I have a brain. I'm here. I, I have read words. I have, I have researched on my own and I have come to the opinion that it is wrong to chemically castrate children. That's a valid position, just like a male looking at a pregnancy, obviously a man is never going to participate 
in pregnancies. Now, I know that the the radical leftists that are tuning in today are totally shocked. Your emojis on your phone are telling you differently. They're lying to you. But men can't get pregnant. But what men can do is observe a pregnancy and can look at that amazing new life beginning from a biblical perspective and can comment on the moral weight of the argument for pro-life. We need to participate in all of these conversations and we don't, uh, we cannot allow the left to hold us back in any of these types of hearings or any of these conversations just because they say that they're desig- we don't carry their designated label. And, and that's how they get this, because even in the context of, um, of child custody battles, for example, you know, even judges who are recognized as, you know, the, they've gone through all of the hoops uh, to, to be appointed to the bench and be the designated expert, they yield to the psychologists, to, you know, the experts that, that by and large are leftists instead of the parents you know, what, is, what does this psychologist know about the best interests of your child more than you do? Well, the Bible and the U.S. Constitution both protect the idea that God gave children to parents. And parents, we understand what is in the best interests of our children and how to train them up properly in the way that they should go so when they are old, they won't depart from it. And we need to consistently do exactly what Matt Walsh is doing by pushing back against this arbitrary view of what it means to be an expert and to say, no, I I have a brain. I can look at the world around me and I can read and I can tell you with certainty based on reality that chemical castration of children is wrong, that abortion is is wrong and morally reprehensible. We need to stand up and fight and push back. So well done, Matt Walsh. Well done. And, um, you know, we are already out of time. And it's it's so much fun to join you each and every morning here on Jenna Ellis in the Morning. And uh, we will be back tomorrow with more of your top trending headlines from a biblical worldview perspective. I'm Jenna Ellis, and it has been a pleasure to have this conversation with you this morning. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.